my number one. If you want to dance at the University of Iowa, you have to come to this campus to see what it looks like, what it feels like, what programs are offered here. If we don't have your major, if we don't, if you don't like the campus, if you don't like snow, like you're not gonna like here. Welcome, I'm Bree, And I'm Natasha. On Beyond the Marley, we bring you exclusive interviews with some of the biggest names in the dance team world. Each episode features an engaging conversation with top professionals who share tips and tricks for success and powerful stories that will leave you feeling inspired. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started in the dance team world, Beyond the Marley podcast has something for you. All right, everyone, welcome back to Beyond the Marley. We are so excited today. We have Jenny Eustace with us. She is the head coach of the University of Iowa dance team. She led the team to a third place finish in the game day division at the UDA College Nationals in 2022. Jenny was studio trained for 15 years at the dance shop in Plymouth, Minnesota, four-year member of the Wazetta dance team. Jenny went on to dance for the University of Minnesota. She is part of the OG Minnesota, won three national championships as a dancer and one as an assistant coach. She was the dance analyst for the UDA High School Dance Team Championship ESPN shows for nine years. She's on her 14th season with the University of Iowa. We are so honored to have Jenny Eustace with us. Hey, everybody. Welcome. I think that is so cool, but you were on like the OG winning University of Minnesota teams. Like that's a part of your legacy. You started that. That is the coolest. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. So we start every single podcast with the same question. Obviously we know all of your amazing successes and how big of an impact you've had and where you are now, but we want to know a little bit about your journey. So what has been your biggest struggle to get to where you are today. We, oh, wow. we go deep. <laughs> We're we going deep right deep away. To start. Okay. Um, so I think for me, it was, so if, if you ever see me in person, I'm like five feet tall and I grew up on a dairy farm. So I grew up in a, a household that very much valued athletics and My brothers were both wrestlers, and dance was just kind of this other thing, right? Super not, very opposite of being a farm kid, if you will. Um, And so I think about that a lot and how it shaped me as a person because I kind of lived this dichotomous existence for a very long part of my life. Like, I was, I grew up on a farm and, like, such a tomboy, but then dance is very much you know, very girly, very not that. And, you know, I remember my senior year in high school, I actually got injured, uh, tore a ligament in my ankle. And I honestly wasn't sure if I ever wanted to dance again. Um, You know, studio dance was very intense. We were a very competitive studio. I was on a very competitive high school team. And I was very burnt out and wasn't sure if it's what I wanted to do. And the coach at the University of Minnesota had come to one of our dance team meets 
and had approached my mom and I and said, you know, I really think you should come and dance at the University of Minnesota. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And my dad had gone to the U of M. My older brother went to the U of M. My grandma went to the U of M. And so my mom was like, you should really do this. Your grandpa, my grandpa was a huge Gopher fan and had season tickets to football and basketball and hockey. And she's like, your grandpa would be so proud if you did it. And I was like, okay, yeah, whatever, (laughs) you know. And one of my teammates from high school was actually a year older than I was, but she was going to try out too. And so she's like, yeah, let's do this. Let's try out together. I was like, okay, fine. Um, And so I tried out, made it. And the cool part about the University of Minnesota is that it has an agriculture school. And so I actually majored in nutrition, which was in the College of Agriculture. Um, And I feel like the U of M is actually like where I was like found my people because I was in the ag school with all my farm kids and I got to be on the dance team. And so it was celebrated that like, oh yeah, you're a farm kid. Cool. And you're on the dance team. Wow. Right. Versus like you dance or like you grew up on a farm. Right. And so I I feel like that dichotomous existence like came together when I was in college. And I, I feel like I really got to be who I actually am. And yeah, so I, I think it was like the perfect marriage for me of of my life. And I feel like I was I could actually be true to myself when I got to college. That's an awesome story. I love that you lived on a dairy farm and for our listeners that aren't in the Midwest, that's where there's cows and you have to milk them and do the chores. <laughs> <laughs> um it Twice a day, every day. Um, That's where your milk and cheese, all your dairy things come from. But that is really awesome that you took that risk. And um, it's interesting that you talk about injury because that's something that I think we see as coaches and in the dance world is that fear after a injury. So what can you say, how has that helped you, that experience help you as coaching when one of your uh, dancers have an, has an injury and there's such that mental aspect to it. What's your advice or how do you carry that over into your coaching? Yeah. Um, I think it's really important to have open and honest conversations with your athletes about where they're at, right? Um, we're very fortunate at the University of Iowa to be under athletic training. So we have an athletic trainer that supports our team and so I actually, like, I can't tell a, an athlete if they get to dance or not. Our athletic trainers are the ones that clear them to dance. And so it really is a partnership between myself, the athlete, and the athletic trainer. But those conversations of, okay, where are we at? How do we really feel? And what's realistic? And, for example, you know, I had an athlete the past two years that was dealing with a very strange thing called compartment syndrome Um, which is very interesting if you're into biology or, you know, kinesiology or anything like that, compartment syndrome, and it's incredibly painful. And, you know, I, as a coach, I'm like, okay, how hard can I push this athlete? And the athletic trainer and the dancer and I had this conversation of, you know, 
you're not going to you're not going to harm yourself any worse if you dance. And so it's all about pain tolerance. And so it just became this daily conversation of where where are we at? What is what how much do we have to load or unload today? You know, how many reps do we think we can do and you know, it just became like I learned this dancer has an incredibly high pain tolerance and she can perform and it's the after that's kind of the bad part right and it's also just having that conversation for her of afterwards like your leg is not going to explode you are going to be okay like we just need to breathe situation um and so again it was it's just really that communication and and we kind of laugh about it because last year at nationals when she came off the floor like literally cannot during while she's dancing great like feels no pain but as soon as the music's done and the end pose like literally like limp leg cannot walk and so you know you have all these athletic trainers running over like oh my gosh oh my gosh and we're like she's fine (laughs) you know and it's just learning that communication of like hey we got this um you know, and, and that goes for any dancer. And there are some dancers who are like, you know what, I, I can't do it. It's not going to happen. And, you know, we just talk through those things. Um, you know, it, it's about pain management and making sure that athletes are taking care of their bodies. I mean, I sat in an ice tub every single day before practice and after practice for my ankle. And I was religious of going to PT to make sure that my ankles were strong. Um, you know, my conversation with the doctor was pain tolerance, right? Like you can get it fixed and the recovery is this long, which was like a year and a half to be able to dance again, full strength, or you can just manage the pain. And, you know, I chose to manage the pain. And I think it's understanding that every athlete is individual and, I, again, we're just so lucky to have an athletic trainer that supports us. And she's very realistic with me as well. Like, hey, I think this dancer can go. Or, hey, it's really not a good idea. And so, you know, we have a good open communication relationship, which is really helpful. Yeah, that's crazy. I can't imagine. Uh, what was it called? Compartmental syndrome? Compartment syndrome. So it's where, like, the inside of your leg feels like it's expanding (gasps) but the outside feels like it's constricting Ah, so it feels like your leg's gonna explode it's like a nerve thing yes yeah wow that's crazy i can't imagine being that that (laughs) dancer and pushing through that just because obviously she loves it um so take us back to your decision to become the iowa coach what how, how did that happen? How did you decide on Iowa? You said that you assistant coached at Minnesota for a while. Um, and then when you took over, what were your goals at that time? Sure. How much time do we have? <laughs> as much, all the time in the world. Okay. Um, yeah. So me being at Iowa is actually very serendipitous. Um, my husband wrestled at the University of Iowa. Um, and that was really before he and I even really knew each other. Um, and we ended up, how we got together is a whole nother story, which would probably take about three hours on a podcast, but, um, we ended up dating long distance. (laughs) (laughs) I was living in Minnesota and he was living in Iowa city and it was 
the day before we left for high school nationals, uh, as I was going down to work for UDA, and he proposed oh. to me. Uh, so we got engaged, and it was oh, so great. Um, and a week later, I got a phone call from the Spirit Squad coordinator at Iowa. Um, I had worked for UDA for years and years. Um, Greg Nimick, who's the Spirit coordinator here at Iowa, he worked for UCA. Um, so our paths had crossed many times with camps and events. And so he called me and he said, uh, the Iowa dance team coach just resigned. Are you moving to Iowa City? Because Luke and I had been dating long distance, and I had come to Iowa City several times for different events, mostly, <laughs> mostly wrestling, but, you know, lots of things. So our paths had crossed again. Um, and I – it was crazy because I had my dream job. I was teaching at Wyzetta, my alma mater. I was helping coach the dance team there. And Luke was the director of operations for the wrestling team at Iowa, which is the best wrestling team in the world. And so we're like, okay, who, who's going to move, right? <laughs> yeah, go Hawks. Who's going to move? And when Greg called, I was like, okay, I I'm going to move. Like, I want to coach a college team that it's kind of a no-brainer. And so I came down to Iowa City, interviewed for the job, and got the job, which – you know, college dance team coaches, we wish were full-time positions, but most of them are not. Sorry. And so my parents were like, and what else are you going to do? <laughs> and so thankfully, uh, I got a teaching job at Iowa City West, which is just right down the road from campus. Um, so thankfully, I got all that covered. Uh, but my goals, uh, I'm a very competitive person. And so... When I got the coaching job at Iowa, outright, I was like, I'm going to win a national championship in five years, right? Because yeah. I did it as an athlete, so how hard could it be? <laughs> and so that was my initial goal, was just to build a championship program. And I quickly learned that it's so much more than what meets the eye, right? Um, you know, it's the inner workings of an athletic department. It's who you bring into your program as far as choreography, strength and conditioning, athletic training, right? All of those things play a role in the success of a college team. Um, and now, as I've been the coach here for 14 years, um, it's who you, the athletes that you bring into your program and what kind of culture you create amongst your team that makes the biggest difference and you know while I would I and I, I think all of my team members in the past 14 years you know the ultimate goal is always to win a national championship um I think my goals have maybe broadened a bit more in terms of you know what what do the athletes get here at the University of Iowa you know, what kind of program are they coming into? What kind of recognition are they able to achieve? And things like that, um, which I think make a bigger impact on the individuals that are a part of my program versus, you know, just the big shiny trophy. <laughs> I still would love the big shiny trophy, but we're moving in that direction with a lot of other things. Yeah, well, and then I always say, too, like, yes, the goal is the big, shiny trophy, but it's everything the kids learn along that journey that they're going to take into the rest of their life. Yeah. I wanted to go back to, you talked about um, 
your culture. And I know that you have intentionally built the culture at Iowa. And I think that's something just over the years has happened. And you've intentionally done it. I know you work with proactive coaching, Rob Miller. What are some things that you do that would also be advice to high school, other college teams, other coaches listening to this? Um, what do you feel like the culture, what are some things that you do? What's been the struggle of building your culture? How's that all worked into uh, the team that you have today? Yeah. Um, so I personally make it a point every summer to pick up a coaching book and read it. Um, maybe that makes me a nerd. I don't know. Um, but I read a book called The Culture Code um, a couple of years, several years ago now. Um, and one of the things was, again, about this idea of clearly communicating what is expected of the athletes on your team. And the book suggested, and maybe this is a different book, maybe I'm misremembering, I don't know. But one of the books I read um, suggested to literally just write it out like, what are your expectations? And share that with the team. And so I spent time um, writing out. And this goes back to, again, work with Rob and proactive coaching. But those, like, core covenants. Like, what does your team stand for? What's important to you as a coach? What's important to your team? Um, and so I sat down and wrote those. And I've tweaked them over the years, right? But those are, like, this is what it means to be an Iowa dance team member, right? And, I mean, I could go through every single one, right? But one of them's like, be the hardest working person you know. And, and it, that's just something that I think the University of Iowa Athletic Department itself is founded on, is just being a hard worker, right? And so, like, no matter what, you're not going to take the easy way out. You're going to do the work. You're going to put in the work. Um, and, you know, another one is talking about team-first mentality and, you know, always thinking about the decisions that you're making are you making them for yourself or are you making them with the team in mind? And does that change your decision, right? And so putting those all on paper, step one. <laughs> um, step two would be communicating them to the team, right? And so that's something that we use summertime to go over is just what are the standards of our program and what does that look like, sound like, feel like, you know, what might happen if somebody violates that and how, how do we how do we work through that? And I think that's something that's really important for coaches out there is that I think it's one thing to say like, okay, on our team, it's important to be respectful, right? Respect is one of our core standards. Okay, so what if Natasha comes in and she's like, these stupid janitors, like they didn't clean the floor, blah, 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 right? Okay, so like that's obviously not showing respect for people around our program. So like how, what are we going to do about that, right? How are we going to approach that? And so then it's like saying, okay, if, if a teammate would say this, then, like, how could we confront them? How could we? Because I think that's something that's really important. Like, young adults, I wasn't good at conflict resolution, right? I wasn't good at having conversations with people I was mad at. And so I think that's where our role as coaches and the adults, like, 
we are educators. We need to, it's not just about teaching a kid how to do a pirouette. It's also like, you can't talk about people that way and you can't talk to people that way, right? And so it's it's not just saying like, here's what we stand for, but also, you know, how are we going to show up in that work? Um, and that's something that proactive coaching, Rob, you know, we talk about a lot is, you know, how do you confront the people who are violating your standards? And it's kind of like, what is the hill that you're willing to die on? And Mm -hmm. one of the things I always talk about with my team is like, this team represents a lot, right? It represents the University of Iowa. It represents the other 20 some people in this room. And, you know, selfishly, and I know this sounds like very self-centered, but like, you all represent me. And I have worked very hard to, you know, rep, to be who I am. And I am very proud of my family. I'm very proud of my husband. I'm very proud of this program. And, like, nothing would make me <laughs> more upset if somebody came back and was like, so, I hear Natasha's, like, slamming the janitors at Carver, like, like what's up with that and I'd be like ah! <laughs> right um and so I think, I think that's just something that it's an important life lesson right like you ultimately in everything you do like are you proud of who you are and are you proud of how you interact with people and understanding that after college like you're gonna go into business and either you're gonna own your own business right if you're a studio owner like how are you gonna show up for people and in the world if you work for a corporation right how are they going to want you to show up in the world and you know also the conversation of like okay if you don't agree with that then why are you a part of that organization right and that's a conversation I've had with some athletes too is like okay here are our standards you don't feel like you have to follow them and you don't want to so then like you why do you want to be a part of this team, right? And so I think that ensures, like, you're getting the right people um, as a part of the team. And then as a coach and, like, going through the recruitment process, I can – I've started to learn, like, there are certain questions I can ask mm-hmm. to kind of get at, like, how do you mm-hmm. feel about this? Like, how mm-hmm. do you feel about, you know, mm-hmm. uh, being the hardest worker in the room? How do you feel about, you know, those – I can ask questions mm-hmm. that get at – uh, does this person, how does this person feel about the standards that we hold in our program, if that makes sense? Yeah. yeah. everything. Culture is the difference between the champion being at the top and not being at the top. I always tell people, they'll say, you know, well, we don't have time to work that stuff. Okay. Yeah. And don't be surprised <laughs> when your program doesn't reach its fullest potential, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So speaking of bringing bringing athletes into your program, the, how you recruit has now turned into recruitment instead of auditions, uh, formal auditions. And that's been a transition we've seen in the college industry over since like about 2020, even a little before then, I feel like it's really shifted from those formal auditions to the recruitment style. So tell us about that, how you feel about that shift and what are you looking for when you're recruiting? Who? What are you looking for in the dancers? And what do dancers need in order to get recruited by Iowa? 
Um, so I think, and again, I'm just going to preface this with I am one person, and this is my one person opinion. <laughs> um, I, yeah. So COVID actually is what kicked us in the butt to go to recruitment. We were, I was heading there anyway, but I think this helped me with my case with my athletic director of saying like, this is what we're going to do now. And he's like, well, you have to do it that way because you can't let anybody under the age of 18 on campus during COVID. Um, so that was helpful. Uh, so thanks COVID for something, right? One little thing. <laughs> but essentially for me, it takes the stress off of the one weekend, right? That one moment of auditions that and in all honesty, it I think it was just as stressful for me as a coach as it was for the dancers coming into the program. And, I mean, I cried every audition weekend as the coach making the decisions. I'm crying, like, daily over that weekend. And my husband's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I just... I can tell they want it so bad, right? And then, but they're not going to make it. Oh, tears. And... And, and that, uh, that was really stressful and lots of anxiety. So I think one, one thing I appreciate as a coach is that the recruitment process, it stretches it out a little bit. Um, and if a dancer can't come that weekend, God forbid, right, um, it's okay. And so I think now that I want dancers to be dancing and most of the studio competitions and now all-star competitions stretch out way into the spring, right, with Worlds and Summit and all of these other things. So I want dancers to be dancing. I don't want them to stop dancing to come to tryouts, right, or lose an opportunity to pause for a weekend and come here. Um, I think the other thing, too, is being involved in a high school there's so many lasts that happen in the spring, prom, graduation, recitals. And if I'm like, no, you must come audition at Iowa, then they're missing out on those lasts. And as somebody who works in a high school, like those are important. They're, you know, formative events in your life. I want people to be able to participate in them. So that's that. Um, in terms of the recruitment process, uh, I... I know there's tons of combines and clinics and things that dancers can go to. And I think a couple things. One is combines are great, right? Again, it's dancing. You're getting the opportunity to dance. It's like a dance convention. It's a master class. You get to go take classes from other people. As a coach, I'm not a huge fan uh, because I. it's very overwhelming. There's like 300 dancers if I'm there with all of my other Big Ten friends, right, we're all probably looking at very similar people. And it's really hard because, you know, how much time do you actually get to interact with an athlete there? It's very minimal. Um, dancers get to come up and maybe ask you, like, one question. And they're very nervous. And I see a line of, like, 800 people. And I'm like, ah! So, so. Combines are great, right? And it's a way to visit other programs and see a wide variety of schools. Um, if you're really interested in a program, you have to go to their campus. That is like my number one. If you want to dance at the University of Iowa, you have to come to this campus to see what it looks like, what it feels like, what programs are offered here because 
you're a student athlete, meaning you're a student first. And so if you don't, if we don't have your major, if we don't, if you don't like the campus, if you don't like snow, like you're not going to like here. And so it's going to be really hard for you to be successful as a dancer if you don't like the thing that you have to do every single day just to be a part of the team, right? And so I think that's something that's really, really, really important is I think oftentimes dancers, you know, they watch UDA College Nationals on TV and they're like, okay, my top five programs are the top five programs I just saw on TV. And you might meet me at a combine and go, okay, I really like Jenny. Like, I want to go to Iowa. But if you never come here, then I think it's really hard to be a successful college student, right? Um, I also think combines, again, are great but they're being taught by a UDA instructor. And as a UDA instructor myself, I taught how I danced and the style I was taught and coached in at Minnesota, right? So like, yes, I'm a UDA instructor, but my style and my choreography was very Minnesota because that's where I trained, right? You go to a combine and your UDA instructor could be from Las Vegas. It could, they could be from California, which the dance style is different than the dance style in the Midwest, right? And so I think that's something you have to understand is, oh, I look really good at this style, which, okay, yes, great, and it's not the style of certain programs. And so, you know, my program is very different than the University of Memphis, and Carol and I would tell you that together if we were standing in the same room. And so when you're at a combine and you're doing a hip-hop routine choreographed by a University of Memphis dancer, that's great. We don't really do hip-hop. I mean, we do at games for fun, right, and, like, crowd-pleasers, but we're not competing in hip-hop, so I'm happy you're slaying that routine. And, like, yay, I don't, not that I don't care, but, like, it doesn't matter as much to me. So that's a long-winded way of saying uh, if your college that you're interested in has a clinic, go to that because there you can interact with the team members. You can dance the style of that team that is running the comb- the clinic, right? And and you'll have a better opportunity to interact with the coach. You'll have more time to interact with the coach. I make it a point to teach at my clinics because I I want dancers to know what it feels like to be coached by me, right? Like ooh, she's too abrasive, or ooh, she's too positive, right? I don't, I mean, I'm all of the things, but (laughs) I think it's important to know what the voice you're going to hear every day, and, like, if you think I'm annoying, then, okay, then this isn't the fit for you, right? Um, And I think that's something that's really, really important. It's more important than, like, I want to win the big shiny trophy. I want to say that I was on this team, like, it's four years of your life. If you're going to be miserable for four years of your life, it's not worth it, right? And so I think it's finding that perfect fit for you is something that's really, really important. Um, I keep saying important, but I think it's so true. And I, I think about my own college experience, right? I visited, it's kind of funny, because I visited Iowa, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. And when I came to Iowa as a baby 17-year-old, they didn't have a coach. They were self-coached at that point in time. And 
So, like, I came to a practice, and they were just kind of running it on their own, and I was like, okay, that I, I'm not sure I would want to be a part of this. Like, it would be very hard for me to be motivated to be a part of it, right? And then I went to Wisconsin, and I actually knew a lot of dancers on Wisconsin, um, and I think my grandpa told me he would write me out of my will if I, out of his will if I went there or something like that, but. <laughs> um, and I went to Minnesota and I watched them at a basketball game and I interacted with the coach and it, it, it just felt right. And so I think, you know, dancers, it's more than just watching UDA college programs on TV and saying, I want to be a part of that. It's, you know, going to the school, asking the coach if you can come sit in on a practice, um, asking if you can meet with a team member. Uh, I don't have a ton of time in my day to meet with prospective athletes, but, you know, if people come to visit in the summer, I absolutely make it a point to, but I always try to connect dancers with either athletes on my team if they're coming to campus or if they say, hey, I'm coming on a Thursday, can I come to practice? Absolutely. Like, I want people, I want you to be able to see what you're getting into, right? Otherwise... I don't want it to be some big surprise and you get here and then you're miserable. Mm -hmm. So with the kids coming in who you recruit and um, you had nine freshmen on your team this year, yeah. that transition for freshmen is a challenge for an athlete. So tell us about um, this transition for what you've seen with your incoming freshmen and how you've been able to help with them with that transition or maybe just common struggles that they go through or that they have to overcome. Yeah. So... Um, I think one of the reasons and, and why I love my nine freshmen uh, is they all came from super competitive programs, whether it was high school nationals or all-star teams. And, you know, that's something that I think really helped the ease in the transition this year. Um, academics is always the huge thing. And th this is coming from, again, somebody who also works in a high school Certain high schools prepare you very well for college, and certain high schools maybe don't do as great of a job academically preparing you for college. So just understanding that you're going to need to be very self-motivated, driven internally to be a successful student in college because there's just a lot less hand-holding than there is in a high school setting. Um, we're very fortunate. We have an athletic academic advisor and so he prioritizes freshmen in the fall and they have to have weekly meetings with him just to check in like how is school going how is you know are, do you need help do you need a tutor things like that um, so seeking those things out I think the other thing that I promote and again I'm an educator so I don't know if all coaches do this um, but you know if there's a freshman that comes in and their major is nursing right and I have a senior on the team and their major is nursing it's like hey if you're struggling like reach out to the senior they've done it they've seen it they probably have study guides or whatever old notes so just making those connections um you know it makes my teacher heart happy when after practice the team's like who's going to the library right like who's going to the lib who's gonna, you know reserve the room and I'm like oh yay group study time um so I think that's something that's important. Uh, I get grade reports from my athletic academic advisor and he, you know, flags people and we have that conversation of, again, like you're a student athlete and if you can't fulfill the student part, you don't get to be an athlete. And so it's just, again, having those conversations that academics are a priority and, 
you know, this, I think this, the time management thing is interesting because as dancers, we're very used to being busy all the time, especially high school dancers. You know, you're going to school for a certain amount of hours a day, then you're probably going to high school dance team, and then you're probably going to studio or all-star team or whatever it is that you're doing. So your days are very structured. When you come to college, it's almost opposite because you don't have class every single day. You don't have seven days a week of practice. And so it's figuring out, like, at least for me, it was like, what do I do with all this downtime? Like, what is this? I'm not used to it. Oh, I should probably use this time to do my homework. I should probably use this time to study. Um, And so it's learning a different kind of time management. But the nice part is, you know, relying on my veterans on the team to support the freshmen is huge. And, you know, just talking about it, you know, what is hard, what is, what is going well in school? What's not going well in school? What's your favorite class? What's not your favorite class right now? And it's kind of funny because every once in a while we'll do little check-in circles and like, especially at the beginning of a semester after about a week or so, we'll say, okay, what's your favorite class and your least favorite class? And it's funny to go around the circle because one person's least favorite class is somebody else's favorite class, you know? And so it's just pointing out to them, like, hey, you don't have to love it all. And, like, you have a teammate who does love that, so help him out. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah, you had you had that a lot this year with, obviously, nine freshmen on your team. And um, I think you've done such a great job building your program um, and to build the kids that you have in your program so that when they become that junior, senior, they are leaders and they can help the, the freshmen. And that's, that's important in a program for longevity, right? You don't want them just their freshman, sophomore year and, and then they get into their major and they're done with dance teams. So I think you, what I've seen just in observation, I feel like you've done such a great job at holding on to your juniors and seniors and making sure that they're, they love the program. They want to continue the legacy. And that's really exciting to see and awesome. So my next question for you is kind of goes along these lines. You made the decision this year not to attend the UDA college camp. And tell us about that decision. How did you, and how do you think it played a role into your season? And are you going to go next year? (laughs) Okay. So funny story. Um, It's actually because one of my seniors Um, got engaged uh, a year and a half ago, and so it was her, if I remember incorrectly, uh, 10-year dating anniversary or something like that with her fiancé was the same weekend as college camp, and that's when they planned their wedding. And they planned their wedding a year and a half, right before the dates even came out, and I knew that it was that weekend, right? And so it was just like, okay, But it's an interesting challenge, right? Because we could have been like, okay, we're still going to go to camp and, like, peace out senior and everyone who's in the wedding party, which is, like, you know, half her wedding party was the dance team. (laughs) You know, so we could have gone to camp with not everyone. um, Or, you know, we we chose to do a home camp. And so I think, you know, it, it it was an experience. I know other college coaches have done home camps for various reasons. Um, you know, part of it was navigating how do you communicate to your team that this is what's going to happen and this is why, and then, like, not having people, like, want to target that one person for, you know, making it happen. And and so that was, you know, we were, again, in my mind, like, 
clear as kind. So trying to be as open and honest about situations as soon as they arise is really important. And so it's like, okay, hey, Abby's wedding is the same weekend as camp. We're going to do a home camp. We're going to, you know, one of the things that the, the team did ask, and they were like, okay, if we're going to do a home camp, like what are the other things that we can do to push us over the summer? Because camp is something that really pushes you as a college team, you don't really get to interact with other teams very often. So when you have, you know, Minnesota, Ohio State, Michigan, Iowa, Wisconsin, you know, lots of other people that come to our camp, Kansas, I'm think, trying to think, like Cincinnati sometimes comes, right? So you have all these powerhouse programs in a room, it pushes you. It pushes you as a dancer, it pushes you as a team. And so they're like, okay, we're fine with not going to camp, but what are we going to do instead? And so I made it a priority to bring in different people to work with our team over the summer to do intensives type, type things so that they felt pushed, you know, maybe in a different way than camp, but just doing that instead of camp. Um, so we had a home camp and it, it was kind of funny asking for feedback afterwards because... I'm always the firm believer that you're either a camp lover or a camp hater. And obviously <laughs> I was a camp lover because then I worked for UDA teaching the camps for like nine years. But I just understand that it's not everyone's cup of tea. They don't like being surrounded by the same people for four days straight and having to like put on a happy face and dance full out all the time, right? Um, but some of them loved home camp and some of them hated it. It was weird, right? Um, and it was... You know, the, the ones that didn't like it as much, it was, I, I miss being around other teams. I miss doing a home routine, right? And some of them were like, it was great. I got to sleep in my own bed. We learned four dances, and they were in formation and clean by the time we were done, right? Um, so I think there's pros and cons to both. We will absolutely be going back to camp just because I am a camp lover. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it, it's just, it's fun to be around other teams and personally for me as a coach it's fun to be around my coaching people because you don't get to do that very often so it's almost mm -hmm. like a coach's retreat for me because I get to see my my coaching friends and get to catch yeah. up with them and yeah your friends yes coaching friends absolutely um oh camp yeah I would say am I a camp lover I'm in the middle like I'm like you I, I could do the home camp no you can't be in the middle <laughs> I know I could I can see both ways but I would I like the home I had camp more camp haters on my team this year <laughs> I had so many girls this year every time because we go to NDA camp and they're like bring it on in bring it on in and I'd see them look at each other and roll their eyes and be like bring it on in bring it on in. <laughs> like guys like, just pretend like you love it <laughs> like you have to do it <laughs> you yeah. have to do it you have to be really excited about bringing it on in <laughs> <laughs> get that spirit stick and, um, and, and camp is great and all of our staff is amazing is. amazing I just I had a lot of girls this year that just weren't about the like peppy hype part of it <laughs> Yeah, so it was well, they'll like, love just college pretend. camp then because like college camp is great because it's there's no cheese, right? It's all about oh, okay. the camp. That's great. No cheese. Yeah. They take the cheese out. Okay. See, I the think that's the There's no spirit stick. There's no drill downs. Actually, yeah. some, some people are really sad about it, but yeah. This season, moving forward, I saw your Nationals post. I thought it was fabulous. Anyone out there, look up Jenny on Facebook read her post about nationals it is literally what every athlete needs to hear no matter if you don't follow dance 
Uh, I'm not sure it will, you're listening to this podcast, so you follow dance, but, um, take, take a look <laughs> at it. It's really, it's a really great post. It's, it says, um, she said 2021 and 21, 22 was the most challenging coaching years. I thought that was so real, so vulnerable and honest. So tell us about those seasons and what were you going through looking and looking back, how has that changed your coaching and for future seasons? Do I have to re- do I have to rehash this? No, I'm kidding. So I think like the biggest challenge is, you know, it, it's finding that balance as a coach of like advocacy and pushing versus like grace and understanding, right? And I feel like 20, 20, 20, 2021, right? COVID year, if we will. Um, I think that was just a challenge for everyone. And I think the hardest part was the rules kept changing and nobody had the same rules in the college realm. And that was very challenging because, you know, you have, I have this group of athletes, they're my babies, right? And they're like, but this team's doing this and this team's doing this and this team's doing this. And I'm like, okay, but we're given this, right? And so thankfully, you know, we, we, we were able to compete that year. And, you know, I appreciate the hours and hours of our athletic training staff and our doctors at Iowa and their advocacy for us and everything that they did for us to make that happen. Um, you know, we had to test every single Tuesday morning. I was the first person in line because I also have a full-time job. So I had to test every morning at six, every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. Again, we're very fortunate to have one of the most amazing hospitals here at the University of Iowa. And so we would get our results within six hours. But that Tuesdays were the worst day of the week because I would either get a phone call from the athletic trainers like, okay, and here's who's not allowed to participate, you know, or I would get nothing, which is always great. Um, You know, just a text that said all clear. And then, you know, you had to check in at every building you went into and get your temperature taken, get a wristband for the day, and that would allow you into athletic facilities. Um, You know, it was college nationals being pushed back to April. I mean, it was like 90 degrees when we competed. And that was not fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I can't, those of you that do like all-star and worlds and everything later on in the spring, like, woo, good for you. But I am, I am very (laughs) glad that college nationals is in January. So I have to worry about sweating. Um, (laughs) But I think the hard part there was we were restricted to only interacting with each other in practice. And when you're only allowed, like we couldn't have team dinners. We couldn't have team meetings outside of practice. Um, The dancers were restricted. You know, the the athletic training staff was really recommending like stay in your pod, right? So if if I live in a house with three people, I'm with those three people and not to like intermingle because contact tracing and all of that, right? And so it really took away, I mean, we literally just showed up, danced and went home. And there was very minimal, like, team building. There was very minimal culture building. And, you know, I didn't know I, – I don't think I realized as a coach, like, the impact of all of the other things. You know, it was come to practice, warm up, clean the nationals routines. Like, that was all we did. 
and like all the other things of choreographing a fun timeout routine for a basketball game, right? Like doing our football player halftime, um, even just having games and those memories that you're making at a football game, you know, when it downpours rain for five seconds and you look like a drowned rat or, you know, all those little things that happen during a season that you take for granted. We didn't have any of those. And I don't think I realized the impact of all of those until we didn't have them, right? And so that year was just kind of like, meh because yeah we competed at nationals but like we didn't have anything else and where it showed me that nationals is not the only thing that makes a college dance team and that makes a college dance team important and fun right and so that was really challenging so then the next year it was like okay we're gonna try to make this as normal as possible and also understanding that these athletes have been through a lot, right? Like our season in 2020, 2021 was so strange. And so then the next season, I was like, okay, like the poor children, right? And I, as a coach, am trying to give as much grace as possible because I just want them to have a normal experience because the last year was so awful, right? And I, as my husband would say, like, I became too soft, <laughs> if you will. Um, and I found myself making excuses as the coach. Like, oh, well, like, it's okay if they miss this because, like, it's hard right now, right? And it, it's okay because, you know, X, Y, Z. And I found myself letting go of the standards that I had worked so hard to create for the team because I felt bad. I felt bad for the kids. And I think some of that was okay because, just because of the way the world was. Um, but some of it wasn't. And I, that was on me. That's on me as the coach for not communicating. Again, I go back to, like, I'm the one saying, like, clear as kind and like communicate and I was just like oh the poor children um and I I didn't hold uphold I didn't uphold the standards and that's on me as the coach and so this year I was like okay like I'm gonna I know I'm gonna sound like you know the meanest person on the planet but like these I have developed these standards for a reason and this is what has made our program successful so, like, I need to make sure that they are the forefront of our minds at all times. And, like, if that means I'm the mean, crabby coach, I'm the mean, crabby coach. But, like, these are the expectations and we're going to meet them. And, again, I just, I think that's one of the reasons why this year was so successful. Because everybody's on the same page. Um, you know, like, those nine freshmen coming in, that's a huge majority. Uh, I only have 22 people on my team. So, nine out of 22, that's a big number. So, like, if they know the expectations and they're following the expectations, like, everybody is going to be there. And it just made for such a better season. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel you there because I did the same thing. I definitely let my expectations drop a little bit during COVID. Like, we always have alternates, but that year I let everyone be in Palm. So, I get it. And I think there's, I think it's good that you gave more grace, right? But then also good that you got back this year to this is our standard. This is our expectation, and that's why you have the incredible program that you have. Um, switching gears a little bit, because this is something I'm super interested in, 
you work for UDA, you do the camps, you judge, you do all the things. What does it look like behind the judge table, say at UDA High School Nationals? If there was like a reality show going on behind the judge table, like what does that look like? What's the drama? What's the, what does it look like? Oh my gosh, I love that you think that there's drama. <laughs> well, I feel um, like if I, when I look up at the judge table, you guys, everyone's like focused or like they're talking and it's like, I've always wanted to know like to be a fly on the wall up there behind the judge table, what is going on? That's funny. Um, <laughs> so I have a love-hate relationship with judging because again, like my little like mama teacher heart, I'm like, they have all worked so hard. I love them. <laughs> right um so I think that's something that I just want everybody to know like I love judging and I hate it because you know I I have felt the ramifications of judging um I don't know I my favorite part of judging is that you know the dance world is is huge and it's so small and so I Mm. feel like a lot of time judging is like figuring out what do they call it like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon I don't know but like figuring out like how are we connected in the dance world right um and so I think that that's a lot of the time especially like when you're eating your dinners or meals is figuring out like how you know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody um and I don't know maybe that's just human nature is to figure out how you're connected with everybody um but Yeah, I think for me personally, I, as a judge, like I'm trying to give, because I I wear my coach's hat a lot when I'm judging, is I'm trying to figure out like what is the best feedback that I can give this team that's going to help them move forward, right? Or what is the best feedback I can give this team, like if it's finals, what's the best feedback I can give them so that they understand why they placed where they placed because that is my pet peeve as a coach when I get the score sheets back and I'm like I still don't understand why I got the last place right um and so I work really hard to like craft comments so that coaches understand why they scored where they scored um and so if you see me like turning to someone it might be like okay how do I tell them that like they need more formations in a kind way or like it's me going okay like I needed like this part like I needed something more like how how can I say that how can I articulate that right um I think the other thing is just understanding that I don't think there's any like hidden agenda on judging panels and I think sometimes as coaches like we we tell ourselves that in the in our heads because it makes us feel better about the results right like oh there's a conspiracy against us like all the judges wanted to make sure like this team won and so they put us here I mean ultimately I don't think that that's the case I think you know we have to be realistic as coaches like the judges see your dance for the first time right we as coaches are seeing it for the thousandth, thousandth, I don't even know if that's a real word, time. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think, about, I think about our palm dance this year, which I absolutely love. But semifinals, we performed, and I was like, oh, no. Like, this is worst case scenario. Like, the parts that needed to hit didn't hit. Like, 
the, there was a couple parts that I was like, oh my gosh, that's never looked like that. It's terrible, right? And afterwards, I was like, listen, weren't we tried? We tried our best, but I just, it's not gonna. I don't think it was enough. I don't think it's gonna happen. Like, I'm just gonna be real. And the team was like devastated, right? And then like we we come out of semis in fourth, and. This is, this is me, like, I was like, okay, I have to trust the judges. I have to trust the judges and the score sheet. Like, and I wasn't at that point in time. I was in la-la land, like, survival mode. Like, oh, no, prepare the team for the worst so that there's we're not crying, right? But um, the, ju- the judges, they judge on the score sheet. And that's what, that's what I try to do as a judge is if I'm a choreography judge, like, making sure – that I'm judging on the score sheet and that if a team has great choreography but their execution, which is what happened to us in the semifinals, <laughs> right? Like we have great choreography, our execution was not great, but our scores match that. Our scores coming out of semis, like our choreography scores were high, our execution scores were not so great, right? Um, and that's what I try to do as a judge is make sure that I'm judging on the caption on the score sheet and giving that mm-hmm. accurate feedback. And as a coach, that's the best when you have those judges where it, it makes sense. And the because sometimes I feel like I'll get score sheets back and it's like, oh, everything is between 8.8 and 9.0. But it's like, no, everything wasn't even. Like my the execution was not good and the choreography maybe is. So it, I love that as a coach when it's it makes sense per the category. How do you or what would you say to coaches? So I know in the dance team world, often dance teams always want to go later. You never want to be the first team. You never want to be the second team because sometimes some brands or some judges have a tendency to trend through the day. And it makes sense when you're watching, if you're at nationals and you're watching six hours of small jazzes, it makes sense to make sure you leave room in the beginning and then you see sometimes that natural trend upward. And that leads coaches to to think sometimes, maybe accurately or inaccurately, you want to go later in the day. What would you say to that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard because it depends on, like, for your, we don't necessarily experience that at college just because our categories are a lot smaller just because there's not as many teams that compete, right? So the biggest, actually, I think D1A Jazz this year was the biggest it's ever been, and there was, like, 32 teams, right? And that's in the semifinal. Whereas, you know, in small jazz or small palm at high, UDA High School Nationals, there's 32 teams in semi in prelims A, 32 teams in prelims B, right? Um, and so I, I, I empathize with that, right? Um, and as a coach, I would always love to go last. However, I think it's a double-edged sword because – you go last, like, you're going to get the accurate feedback that you, like, where you are at. You that is, They are going to place you right where you belong. And so maybe sometimes <laughs> you don't want to go last, in my mind, because then you're like, oh, man, that actually is where we really are. And that might not make you very happy. Um, so, like, middle, the middle's where it's at for me. No, I don't know. I don't actually. It is what it is, right? Um, I think... I can empathize with that. I think, you know, again, if a judge is judging on the score sheet and judging the captions accurately, it should not be a problem. And so I always tell my team that we have to focus, and I need to tell myself this as a coach often, like focus on what you can control, right? 
and you can control the cat you can control your choreography and you can make those adjustments we all see the score sheets you all have access to the score sheets of the competitions that you're going to and if you don't you probably shouldn't be going to that competition right you want to know what you're being judged on and so like take the time as a coach to understand the score sheet and figure out like where are the points I can control right I can control spacing if you know you're competing on a marley floor that has 10 strips that are five feet and three and a half inches like you can control your spacing you can coach that you can coach like the number of formations in your routine if there's two formations guess what you're not going to score very well right you can coach transitions you ca- you have control over all of that and you have control over what you communicate to your choreographer and you have control over changing the choreography that your choreographer gave you right and understanding like hey i know my choreographer wants me to communicate about all the changes then communicate don't be that person that's like oh i know my choreographer doesn't like the changes but i'm going to change it anyway and then you know the choreographer is texting you at nationals like what happened to my dance uh don't be that person okay um and, and and you can control execution right focus on what you can control as the coach and as the dancers and let the score sheet and let the judging happen how it will right? And I think at the end of the day, and this goes back to my Facebook post, at the end of the day, you know what you did to get the results, right? You know the process that you took and if you were invested or if you weren't, if you put in the work in or if you didn't. And so if you know you did everything you possibly could and you were invested in the process and you don't get the results you are super happy with, but you know what you did, And so you don't have to be upset about those results. But if you didn't put in the work and you didn't focus on what you could control and you were all over the place and then you got a bad result, well, you can't really be mad about it. So I I think that's the thing is just, you know, focusing on what you can control. Uh, You can't control if you go first or last. Um, You can just control what you put on the floor. And I think that's huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. Control your controllables. I feel like that's something that we as coaches have to instill in our athletes. Um, My number one most annoyance is, what's the floor like? Is it slick or is it this? And I'm like, can you control what the floor is doing? Absolutely not. (laughs) Like, you cannot control that. Yeah. Um, Another question for you, special for you, because you have both that administrative career as well as the dance team coach and I know some coaches struggle with the relationship that they have with their admin so with you having the admin experience and the dance coach experience what advice could you give to a coach who's struggling to get support from their admin Ooh, that's a yeah one. I mean you have to take the time <laughs> you have to take the time to intentionally build that relationship um I was fortunate to grow up in Minnesota where dance team is recognized as a sport And so I got to learn from coaches who, like, the athletic director didn't have a choice because dance team was a sport. So, like, the dance team coaches were under their purview, right? Um, But I also saw how my coach interacted with them in terms of, like, inviting them into practice. Like, hey, come and see what we do. Hey, come in. I'd love to hear what you think about this routine. And our AD would be like, I don't know anything about dance. But he would come in, and he would give us feedback, and we're all like, oh, thanks, Mr. Jamie. Like, 
you know? Um, and so I think, you know, involving them with your program uh, at the collegiate level, it's been interesting because, again, like, we're in this weird gray space of, like, sport, not a sport, like, do all the things student athletes do, you're not really an athlete, like, that whole situation, right? Um, but, again, it's that same premise of inviting, like, we invite the entire athletic department to our send-off. Do they all show up? No, but like our athletic academic advisor shows up, our athletic trainers are there. Um, some of the assist. So at Iowa, we just uh, have we just started a girls wrestling, women's wrestling at the University of Iowa. We're the first Power Five, D one program to have women's wrestling, and like the um, the connection between our programs has been really cool because you know they're new. And they get that, like, okay, dance team is kind of, like, a thing that maybe doesn't get a ton of respect either. Um, And my husband and I are really good friends with the head women's wrestling coach. And so, like, they'll come to our stuff. Um, Their assistant coach and his wife came to our send-off, and they were like, we loved it. It was so great. Like, they they, – it's just – you know, it's it's putting out that olive branch. Like, we're not asking for anything. We just want you to come and see what we do. Um, And so I think – Opening that line of communication uh, is important. Building that relationship first. It's finding that balance of, like, asking for too – you don't want to ask for too much right away, right? But you also – and you want to figure out, like, okay, what's going to be a difference maker, right? Like, what's going to be a difference maker for this program? And then be the squeaky wheel without being, like, obnoxious and demanding, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, this yeah. sounds very manipulative now that I'm no, saying it out loud. That, but it, you're it's just not like nagging. Understanding, like, right. It's understanding, yeah. like, okay, for example, facility usage and facilities. I knew you were... Like, this is a huge thing, right? Yeah. Like, what, what kind of space do you have to practice in? Mm-hmm. And, you know, is it, is it the cafeteria with the leftover French fries or is it the gym? You know, and it, it and it's being solution oriented. So it's not going to the admin and being like, we never get everything we want. We never get anything. Mm-hmm. We never, you know, and that sounds very like negative. Mm-hmm. It's being solution oriented. Hey, could we, like one day a week, could we have the full basketball court from this time to this time? And at that time, like, the basketball team could be, like, doing their lift or watching film or, you know, like, finding a solution to come forward with. Um, You know, sometimes it's just as simple as no one's ever asked before, right? Like, no one's ever asked to use the gym for the dance team. And so the AD is like, well, I do you need the gym? I didn't even know you needed the gym, right? Or mm-hmm. just saying like, hey, we'd really like gym space. Can you um, let me know when it's available? And then like schedule your practices around that. So I think it's it's finding those, it's being solution oriented, right? Building that relationship, inviting people into your program um, and that it carries a lot of weight. And it takes time. Like that's the other thing that I know sounds super frustrating, but I mean, I've been coaching at Iowa for 14 years. It takes time to get people invested in your program. You're about to get your own practice space, is that right? Yeah, so we're breaking ground. Um, September, October, hopefully this fall, but we uh, 
Yeah, we got a big donation from an alumni of the Spirit Squad, and our athletic department has created a 10-year plan, um, and one of the first things, breaking ground on West Campus uh, for a combined cheerleading dance team and gymnastics facility. So, Like a whole building? A whole building. So wow. we've, been, we've been working through, you know, like what that'll look like, but it's going to uh, hold a full-size competition Marley floor, mirrors, locker rooms. Um, wow. Yeah, so we're That's pretty amazing. darn excited and about, about that. Time. It's about time. It's going to be awesome. Um, <laughs> so we know Jenny, the dance team coach, Jenny, the administrator, and you, we know all your accomplishments. What is it? What, but you're also a mom and you have a husband. So tell us what, what is, you have all these things. How do you do it all? And then how do you put it away so that you can be a mom and go to dance competitions and baseball games? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I mean, I feel like it's a blessing and a curse for my children because they have two parents that are very competitive coaches. Um, and like sad for them but we're very we're very realistic with our children um remember way back in the beginning I was talking about growing up on a a dairy farm so I think part of my problem is that I just know my parents like they worked all the time like it like there wasn't like there's no no such thing as work-life balance (laughs) which I mean don't take don't don't do what I do right but um I think I'm just used to that working constantly kind of a thing um I think it helps that my spouse is a coach and he gets it like he gets when I am up all night like stewing about like a thing a dancer said at practice I'm like I she said this what do I need to do like how do I approach it what do I you know but it helps because then we can talk through those things um I think for me it's very important that my kids um I have a son and a daughter my daughter's a dancer my son's a wrestler slash baseball player slash in his mind future NFL star um oh wow (laughs) uh I think it's important for them yeah right he's not gonna be I love him he's just never gonna play in the NFL um but I I think it's I think it's important for them to see how passionate I am about coaching and how important it is to me because I want them to find something like that in their life that they're passionate about and and can put and understand like if you put in the work, if you put in the energy and effort, you will reap the rewards. I think it's very important for them to see that. Um, I think it's hard for my kiddos because I'm not around all the time, right? But they've become very like self-sufficient, independent little children which I I love and hate all at the same time I'm like I want the baby snuggles but they're like I am making my own breakfast and then I will be attending my blah 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 I'm like okay uh so even like on the snow day Peyton my daughter Peyton she was like can I move my um dance floor up to the we have this little like loft area in our house and and practice my routines I was like yes of course you can (laughs) you know um I I think I, I involve them in as much as possible. Like, we had halftime at the men's basketball game, and, you know, my son and daughter came to watch. You know, they know every girl on the team. It's hilarious because, you know, they'll come to an event, and they'll find their friends and go sit with them, and they'll be like, okay, and that's so-and-so, and this is her major, and that's so-and-so, and she's from this, and, like, that's so-and-so, and they're from Minnesota, right? And they'll, they know all the fun facts about the dance team, and people are like, 
wait, why do you know this? <laughs> um, you know, so they're very proud. I think they they love the team. It's their girls, you know, their friends. And, and I just, I love that my kids are around such great role models because, you know, they see what the amount of work that I put in. They see the amount of work that they put in. And, you know, they are able to emulate that. Um, they know what it's like to be a good teammate. And I think that's something that is, like, if my kids are not great athletes, like, great. I don't care. But what's most important is that they're great teammates. And, you know, I see that in my nine-year-old. He's a little teeny tiny tyke. Um, his friends are a lot bigger than him. And he's playing baseball. And, you know, when you're little and you're playing baseball, if you, if you don't have a lot of body mass, it's hard to move the ball. And, but I think the thing that is super important is his coaches say he's a great teammate because he, he, he sees how the dancers interact with each other and he hears me talk about like issues and, and how we approach them on the team. And, and I, I think, I hope that, you know, that's what's, I I would like to think (laughs) that that's what's (laughs) leading him to be, you know, that encourager, that really great teammate, because, you know, he hears and sees it every single day. Um, I think sometimes we're a little too realistic with our children, maybe. Uh, it's hard to turn the coaching hat off a little bit. You know, my daughter competed in her first YHEP uh, a couple weeks ago, and I never did that as a, as a dancer. It didn't exist. I'm old. Um, but it's a ballet-based competition. And my daughter, she's just like a little nugget, and she doesn't have the long lines, and she's not super flexible, just like her mother. Um, you know, and I was like, you're not going to do very well. She's like, Mom! I'm like, well, I mean, you're going to do great, right? Like, you're going to be amazing, and you're not going to score well because, like, you're not a ballerina. Like, you love it, and I appreciate that. And she was like, oh, I'm so offended, right? But then she, you know, I mean, she did. She placed in the top 24, which is great. She got her name read, which is, like, unheard of at YAGP. Mm-hmm. It's very challenging to do, I guess. I didn't know this. Um, but she didn't do as well as she would have liked. She didn't. They only placed the top three. She didn't place in the top three, um, but she was also okay with it because she's like, yeah, you said I wasn't going to do very good. And I was like, there you go. <laughs> you know, so I think maybe sometimes a little too realistic. Um, I'm trying to convince her to let me choreograph a solo for her, and she's like, mom, no. And so it's kind of funny, like, trying to convince your own child that you're actually, yeah. like, good at what you do. Um, yeah. It's not going so hot right now. Maybe we'll have to do like an update podcast on yes. Jenny choreographing <laughs> for her own child. Because right now I am not good enough to do that. <laughs> oh my gosh. College dance coaches in the nation. Yeah. yeah it's not. Fine. She needs your resume, I guess, first. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she needs to see my choreo reel or something. She, she must be. Yeah. So before we have one, uh, we want to do our last question so you can get going. I did want to touch on you're working with Miss Dance Drill Team USA to bring Miss Dance Team Iowa competition this fall. Can you tell us about that? And then we'll wrap up with our last question. Sure. Um, so Miss Dance Drill Team is a national organization. Um, certain states have like a Miss Dance Team insert state here. Um, and there's a very well-established competition in Minnesota. It actually started, I think, my junior year in high school. Um, and, yeah, it's, uh, I'm excited. I, I think the cool part is it's a solo competition, um, and you, it, it, 
it's a little along the lines of YGP if I think about it, where you know you're not separated by the size of your school, you're not separated by you know how great your dance team is. It's it's a solo competition, and so it's for dancers to come and compete against the best of the best and be named Miss Dance Team Iowa and then have the opportunity to travel to the Miss Dance Drill Team National Competition, which is in California, um, usually in April, March, April. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to get that started. We're gonna ha release our date here soon. It's gonna be in the fall um, and see, see how that goes, see where that takes us. Yeah, and is that for like high school students? Yeah, so it'll start with like a 9 through 12. Um, mm -hmm. I think Minnesota has expanded to a middle school division, but we're just going to start. We'll start small, see yeah. what the interest is like, and go from there. Love that. Okay, last question as we wrap up. What do you want your, leg your legacy to be when you're done coaching and you move on? What do you want your legacy to be? Yeah, wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> big question. Started with the big questions, end with the big questions. Um, and fun in between. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I I can't see myself being done coaching. So I think that's really hard right now to think about. Um, so that's great, right? But I think what's most important to me is that, and I say this to my dancers all the time, like you get to be on a college dance team for four years and, and then you have the rest of your life, right? So these four years are preparing you for the rest of your life. And I think that's something that's really important to me is preparing my dancers to be good people as well when they leave the program. And, you know, to me, one of the coolest legacies is when my dancers choose to coach after college or teach at a studio, right? Because they, they, they wanna take the lessons and things that they've learned and spread it, right? Um, and so I think that that's important. I think, you know, ultimately as a collegiate coach and at the University of Iowa, it's, you know, how are we perceived as a program in the athletic department at Iowa? And I want to make sure that the dancers get the respect that they have earned, right? For all of the hours and all of the days and all of the performances and all of the competitions you know, are you being recognized for the work that you do? And I think that's a, that's a constant thing that I'm working on. You know, our facility is a huge step in that direction. Um, you know, we're, we've had lots of different meetings about lots of different things. And, and again, it's just trying to be recognized for the, for the everyday effort and work that you're putting in. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, if, if the Iowa dance team continues to be a well-respected program and a program that dancers aspire to be a part of, you know, that that's huge to me because I want to create a place where people want to be and I want to create a place where people feel valued and I want to create a place where people are proud that they were a member and, you know, will continue that legacy even after they leave the program. Yeah, that's beautiful, and that's a great legacy to leave. Well, thank you so much, Jenny. We've appreciated having you on here more than we can say. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Marley podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Beyond the Marley, and like and subscribe on YouTube at Brief Choreography for more dance team content.